entire choir. Amen. There's a word from the Lord, but before we do, let me also say a very special thank you to our survivors ministry. As we recognize not just the survivors of breast cancer, but to those that have lost their lives and those that are in a better place, we recognize you. And this money in particularly, the nation is paying close attention to men with breast cancer. It does exist. In fact, I had a conversation just the other week with a member of our congregation. It was a faithful brother who's just been diagnosed with breast cancer. But we know that God is a healer. Amen. And, and just to make the devil mad, all the survivors of breast cancer, just wave your hands. I know we're standing just all on the choir. Somebody help me say, look at God. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Minister Joyce. Thank you, Rolanda. Thank you to all of you that work so hard to do such a, a powerful job with this ministry. There's a word from the Lord today as we continue this series that God has given us entitled Emotional Pitfalls. But God said to us as we walk this faith journey, there are times in which we come across pitfalls, times in which we come across potholes, and things that if we're not careful uh, will throw us off course. And so in putting together this series, God said to me that I, I want to help you convey to those that are going to be listening to the, these messages um, that we need to walk carefully. Although we walk by faith, we also walk carefully. Amen. Look out for those seen and unseen pitfalls. Those demons, not only the ones we know about, but be careful of the ones who dress up like friends. Amen. But act like demons. Amen. Amen. So this is the second of seven messages in this series. And the text is found in a very powerful and familiar Old Testament reference. It is the book of Genesis chapter 17 and verse 26 and it is about the story of Lot's wife it is about the story of Lot's wife Genesis 19 two verses verse 17 and verse 26 hear the reading of God's word as soon as they had brought them out one of them one of the angels said Flee for your lives. Don't look back. And don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. Verse 26, chapter 19, the NIV translation says, But Lot's wife looked back. And she became a pillar of salt. Amen. We ask God's blessings on the reading and the hearing of his word. Amen. The series is entitled Emotional Pitfalls. This is the second message of this series. Reach over and catch someone by the hand. The subject is lifted directly from that 17th verse. Squeeze those hands. Tell someone, don't look back. Amen. Don't look back. Maybe seated. Amen. Amen. Don't look back. <laughs> I believe God is talking to someone here today. Amen. 
don't look at someone and encourage them and says, don't look back. Hmm. Listen, when we began this series on last week, we described and in fact defined emotional pitfalls for the sake of these messages as those emotional liabilities that are not always so easily recognizable. Those emotional dangers, those emotional things that harm us, that hurt us, that are not always so noticeable. Uh, and they occur while we are on this faith journey, while we are walking by faith and not by sight. We have to be careful of pitfalls. We have to be careful of potholes. We have to be careful of hidden traps. Things that lie beneath the surface that are usually covered up and not always noticeable. But when you encounter one, it can be devastating to your journey, your faith journey. Emotional pitfalls can not only cause us to stumble, to fall, but eventually, if we are not careful, it will and they will cause us to give up on our faith. You ever wondered why some folks start out on fire? The Bible asked the question, what did hinder you? You've ran so well. What, hinder, what caused you to get off track? Last week, we identified one of those things that can cause us to get off track. One of those emotional pitfalls we called worrying, anxiety, can knock us off track, can make us not feel like ourselves, can, can, can sap or rob us of today's joy. Because we are worrying about tomorrow's problems. So God says to talk about it. Let them know that these are things that we ought to be aware of. Worrying was one. And so this week, now the second message in this series. God has given us the assignment to talk and to share about another emotional pitfall. It is the inability, listen to this, the lack of the ability to let go of some things or some people that have been proven to be detrimental to our well-being. Preaching to somebody. God says, now, I'm not even talking about the ones that there still may be some question marks about. And you're not quite sure. But there are some things, there are some people we know that are not good for us. Can, can I tell the truth? And yet we find it difficult to detach to let go things that have already proven to make our life worse to make us feel worse but yet here we are holding on to something that's not good for us and yes I must admit perhaps some say but, but, but pastor is good to me well, I've got a message for you. Everything and everyone that's good to you 
is not good for you. Am I right about it? But there are some people who have perfected how to be good to you, to get what they want from you. Ooh. But you know they're not good for you. Ooh. Look at somebody and say, let it go. We, we have to come to the realization that there's some things that we are romanticizing, fantasizing about that are in our past. That we have placed value where value should not be placed. God told me to preach this, mother, in this way. I, I just told the Lord, th this series is, is not about you jumping up and down. I, I want to speak to your minds, speak to your hearts throughout this series. Listen, it is said that one of the keys to success is perhaps knowing what we should hold on to and what we should turn loose and walk away from. I am talking to somebody. God says perhaps one of the reasons why some of us are stuck in an emotional purgatory, we are stuck in a place that seems to be painful and harmful is because we have not mustered the courage or the strength to walk away from some things that God has already identified as not good for you. Amen. And see, and we, and we want all kinds of confirmations and validations. And one, one of the things I've learned the longer I've been in ministry, I tell people, please don't waste my time. Don't, don't have me talk to you for months and months about what you ought to turn loose and let go. And you know in the depths of your heart, you would never let it go. Come on, somebody. You be just, well, pastor, I'm, I'm wondering, should I? But you know what? Maybe they deserve it. And you know what? Maybe it's not so bad. And maybe I can work things out. Do it. Leave me alone. If you don't want to get better, let me help somebody who does. Can I just be real? We waste people's time with all of our vacillating back and forth. You decide something ought to be in your life. But if it's not, listen, from a personal perspective, I, I realized something some time ago. And I said this to the congregation this morning at 8, that my own inability at times in my life to detach and let go from things or from some people almost ruined my life. Can I just be honest? And I suspect I'm not the only one sitting up in here. That when you look back over your life, it had not been for the mercy of God. Whew. Because you were trying to hold on to something that God says, I'm trying to take you out of. I'm trying to deliver you from this situation. And you refuse to let go. Some of us are only here but by the grace of God. Listen. The prophet Jeremiah writes, it is of the Lord's mercies that I have not been consumed. His compassion faileth not. It is renewed every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Don't fool me, but is there anybody just feel like giving God your best praise for things God snatched you out of? Look at somebody and say, this would be a good time to put a praise on it. Come on, somebody. Come on, Zion. Things the Lord just snatched you out of. Woo. But God. Relationships you never would have ended. God just had to make them go away. 
and you found out that your life is a whole lot better. Ooh. God, look at somebody and say, God's got something better with your name on it. But as Jesus says, nobody puts good new wine in old wineskin. In order for God to get that blessing with your name on it, there has to be some changes. There, there ought to be some things in your life. We ought to have an internal, emotional garage sale. And we need to get rid of some stuff that's been holding us down for a long time. Amen, somebody. Listen, it has been said, and, and I agree with this assessment, that oftentimes the root of our struggle, the root of our struggles is being attached to the wrong things or the wrong people. There are some who are wondering, I can't ever seem to get ahead. Examine what you are attached to, who you are attached to. If, if your greatest desire is to impress people around you, if your fraternity or sorority is more significant than your worship, if, 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 if building your career is more important than building your prayer life, then it's no wonder when you hit rock bottom, it's hard to call on a sorority or fraternity, a brother or sister, when, when they're trying to get their own life together. You better have a relationship with Jesus. I tell folks, you better have a midnight relationship with Jesus where you can call them at midnight and... And say, Lord, I need some help. The, here's what the song used to say, trouble in my way. I, I had to cry sometimes. I laid awake at night, but that's all right. <laughs> I believe that Jesus can fix it. After any, anybody got that kind of faith that laid in the midnight hour, <laughs> God can turn it around. <laughs> I feel like, may I preach this? Listen, the Apostle Paul understood the importance of detachment. He understood the importance of letting some things go. Paul writes this powerful scripture that's found in Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 8. The New Living Translation says this. Paul writes, uh, for his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Uh, Paul says, I had to come to the realization that there's some things in my life I had to let go and never look back. I had to turn loose. I had to discard some things. I had to throw away my attitude towards stuff had to change because once you consider it garbage then you've got to get it out of your house <laughs> can I get a witness nobody enjoys having garbage in your house if you do then there's another emotional problem about you that we need to talk about sometime later but no normal sensible person enjoys living among garbage and among filth. Am I right about it? We must take it out. Paul says, I, I could not be delivered until I came to the realization that things I once treasured, I had to treat as garbage so that I may gain Christ. I thought my career would be everything to me, but I gave it up. I, I thought my family, a bloodline, meant a lot, but I had to give it up. I, I, I just thought where I was going was important until I had to give it up. I had to turn it loose. I stopped by on the second Sunday in the month of October in the year 2019 to declare and decree that there are some things in some of our lives God says it's time to let go and let God. Because can I 
let you in on something. God said, I'm not stepping in on your mess. You, you invite God to come in, and God says, I'll come in, but only if you clean out your mess first. Well, I, 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 I don't dwell in a messy house. I, I, you've got to decide who lives there. Either faith is going to live there or all of your emotional experiences. But if you walk by faith, you can't live by your emotions. Woo! You've got to believe that God is still good even if it doesn't look like it. You've got to believe that God has taken me to a better place even when it does not appear to be that way. Ooh, may I preach this? Let us turn to the text. As we turn to this interesting, wonderful text that is found in the book of Genesis, the story of Lot, his family, Abraham, and the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah are found in two chapters of the book of Genesis, chapters 18 and 19. In our text, uh, this text gives us a valuable biblical lesson on the inability to detach or to let go of an emotional pitfall. Our text involves the story of a woman whose name is never mentioned in Scripture. We only know her as Lot's wife. <laughs> we know where she lived. We know her husband. We know that she had at least two daughters. We know that she was attached to something that was destructive to her life. May I tell you the story? In chapter 18, God sends angels to Abraham, says to him that the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah have come up before me. And uh, they, they, they have forgotten their God. Uh, they, they, they are not to a place where they would ever repent. So God says to Abraham, I am going to destroy the whole area. Abraham, in his attempt uh, to negotiate with God, uh, began to talk to God, said to the Lord, God, is it fair for you to destroy the good people with the bad people. The angel of the Lord says to Abraham in Genesis chapter 18 and verse 25, the latter part of that verse I love, it says, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? In other words, God's going to do the right thing. Uh, and then Abraham began, if I can share this with you, to negotiate with God. Says to God, if I am able to identify 50 righteous people, will you spare the city of the glory? He says, uh, God, if, if I find 50, and God, because he knows everything, sometimes God just indulges us just for our own sake. Amen. God says, go ahead, Abraham. Look for 50. He comes back and says, well, could not find 50. Maybe if you allow me to find 45 of, of two cities, 45 righteous people living in two cities, will you spare these cities? God says, yes, I will. Abraham goes and searches, could not find 45, comes back to God. I am so grateful we serve a patient God because a lot of us would have said, now get out of my face. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. God says, all right. I will indulge you again. Abraham came back and says, Lord, if I can find 20 righteous people, 40 righteous people, if I can't find 40, what about 20 righteous people? And then he dropped all the way down to 10. Out of two cities, if I can find just 10 righteous people, will you spare the city? Well, God already knew that there weren't 10 righteous people 
in both of the cities. So he says, go ahead. And Abraham came back, could not find even ten. And so the angels of the Lord then were sent on a mission. And, and, and God sent a word back in chapter 18, verse, I think, 13. And God says, because we are going to destroy this place. Because we're going to destroy this place, the outcry to the Lord against his people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. In other words, Abraham, I've given you every chance you'd ask for. You couldn't find 50, 45, 40, 20, could not even identify 10 righteous people. What if God was to come back right now and say, by the way, are there 10? Just 10? <laughs> and because you can't lie to God like you do to everybody else, some things you can't fake. Because he knows your down settings and your uprisings. God knows how you are after church. And so the Lord decided the angels are going to destroy the city. He said to Abraham, because of you, I will spare Lot and his family. In other words, Lot doesn't even deserve to be saved in his family because Lot goes to his brother-in-laws to go home and read the story and his brother-in-laws don't even want to be saved. His son-in-laws, I'm sorry. Son-in-laws do not even want to be saved. And God said, but Abraham, I've made a covenant with you. Lot's now your nephew. I promise you that I'll bless your seed. And so I, I will spare Lot and his family. The Lord sent the angels uh, to rescue Lot. Look at verse 16 of chapter 18 of the book of Genesis, and it will tell you a little bit about Lot. And so uh, the Lord sent the angels to rescue Lot, and, and even Lot, amen, uh, did not even want to be rescued, amen. Go with me to chapter Chapter 18, I want to, I'm sorry, chapter 19 and verse 18. I want to get to the right place. Look what the Lord says. Uh, he says, I am going to destroy these people. Look at verses 16 and 17 in Genesis chapter 19. Now we got it. So the angels go out to rescue Lot and his family. And even Lot did not really want to go. That's why I wanted you to get to verse 16. And when Lot hesitated, good God Almighty, I need you to see this because sometimes God has saved us despite our own foolishness. Leave it on the board. I want you to. And when Lot hesitated, the men that word can be substituted for the angels that God sent. Grab his hand and his wife. What does it say? I want you to see this. The angel of God, the men of God, grab Lot's hand and the angels grab. Because see, uh, sometimes fantasy tells us that the angel had Lot's hand. Lot's had his wife's hand. His wife had his daughter's hand. That's not what the text says. The text says they grab everybody's hand. And the angels grab Lot's hand uh, and his wife of his two daughters and said, I am dragging you out of this place. Can I preach to somebody that God had to grab you by the hand? Your head was so hard. You loved where you were so much. God knew that you would never leave by yourself. So God sent his divine authority. Some of us, God had to drag out of the clubs. Some of us, God had to drag out of the bars. Some of us, God had to drag from the liquor bottles. Some of us, God had to drag from a life of destruction. Is there anybody in here who's not ashamed to know that God took you by your hands and took you out? I just need somebody ought to put a, just, just put one praise. Some, somebody ought to put a praise on the fact that, look, look at your neighbor and say, I didn't always want to go. 
But thanks be to God, God grabbed me by the hand and said, boy, I'm going to save you despite yourself. Somebody ought to be glad you had a praying mama and a praying grandmama. Somebody prayed for me, had me on their mind, took the time. Lord ought to thank God for Abraham. Thank God for some praying family members because some of us, the only reason we're still here. Woo! May I preach? Should I preach? And when Lot hesitated, the angel grabbed him by the hands. The angel grabbed his wife and his two daughters. Now here's the point I want you to see something. And led them safely out of the city. Oh my God. Look at somebody and say, they were already out. Am I preaching too? I don't want you to miss this because Elder Jennifer, sometimes the movies have made us think that as she was coming out, but the text says the angel had already brought them out. You had already survived. You had already been rescued. You were already out of danger. Can I preach to somebody? What happens after you stop drinking and you're no longer a drunk and you go back 10 years later and start again? What happens after you left that bad relationship and moved on and you go look them up years later to revive something that has already been deemed dead. Somebody say preach, Pastor. After they were safely out, whew, look at verse 17, chapter 19. As soon as they had brought them out, I even had to apologize, Gloria. I told the Lord after studying this, I said, Lord, I've been homiletically in error. Because I've always thought, Mother King, that, you know, Lot's wife never really made it all the way out. But God said, son, that is not true. Say, this woman was already out. There was no dust on her feet. She had already been delivered. It was behind her. It was in the rear view mirror. She was already saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized. Then God said it to me, Pastor Lawson. God says, that's it, son. Some people are so crazy, so foolish, so attached to that which you have already been delivered out of, so fascinated about stuff that's in your past that after God had made a way out of nowhere and all she had to do the only instruction she was given is that don't look back. Whew, can I preach this? I'm going to get to my three points before I leave. But don't look back after she had been safely rescued. Whew, the Lord said, the angel said, now, God has done something for you. Allow me to add my personal commentary to the text. God has brought you from a mighty long ways. 
uh, can, can, can I add this? Uh, and I, I would imagine the angel could have said that look what the Lord has done. Uh, you should have been in that fire. You should have lost everything in your life. But God has brought you out. All he asks of you is don't look back. But she did. After she had been delivered, after she had been a survivor for years, I don't know how long it had been, after she was out, I'm talking to somebody in here, after God has done something for you that only God could do, after God took your hard head, your stiff neck, your contrary spirit, after God changed your life around and gave you a decent relationship and a decent job, and after God made a way out of no way and took, the, took stuff away from you, you never thought you could be delivered. Delivered you from the crack house and the whole house. I'm sorry. Oh, I. I got to come all the way over here now. Amen. <laughs> After God had delivered you from all kinds of places, you found your knucklehead, your nappyhead, your hard-headed spirit tipping right back in. <laughs> to where God had delivered you out of. And that is why the punishment was so severe. See, I never could figure this out, but the Zion of God said, the reason why the punishment was so severe because I had already delivered her. God said, I already brought you out. I turned you around. I gave you houses you did not build. I gave you a job you weren't even qualified for. I gave you a decent relationship. I even straightened your kids out, sent them to college, gave you a piece of paper to hang on your wall. But you got so full of yourself that you forgot that it was God all alone. And if it had not been for the Lord that was on my side, don't forget who brought you out. Can I share something with you? And so God says... Why is looking back so devastating? Ooh. She was so attached to what she left behind that she lost everything, including her life. And here's a statement that God gave me. She seemed to have had a greater desire for the things and the people that were a part of her past than the future she could have enjoyed with her family. Her past meant more than her future. And she lost her life. I've got to show you something. That's why God told me to take my time that would be bad enough, Mother Jackson, all by itself, that a mother lost her life after she had been delivered. But after that, her whole family fell apart. And the text doesn't say this, but I assume that if Mrs. Lott was righteous and still there, her daughters never would have slept with their father. May I preach this? And because there perhaps was no maternal guidance, perhaps because there wasn't a mother Martha Diamond or Janet Jackson or Susie Smith or Josephine Anderson, any these other mothers that can look your children in the eye and say, don't you do it, girl. Don't you do it, boy. These daughters of Lot got him drunk 
two of them and had sexual relations with their daddy. The last verses of chapter 19. Go home and read it. And because they had sexual relations with their daddy, they had children from their own father. The consequences of looking back not only sometimes destroy your life, but the lives of those you love. Let me leave you with three things briefly. We're going to have this altar call. Three reasons why looking back is so dangerous. Number one is this. Looking back stops your progress. You cannot go forward and look back at the same time. Amen. Look at somebody and say, don't look back. It stops your progress. You can't get to the mountaintop when you're still obsessed with your valley experiences. God says, looking back will stop you from going where God wants to take you. Please tell somebody, don't look back. Second reason why looking back is so dangerous is this. It questions God's leadership and God's authority for your life. God leads us forward to a better future, not backwards to a painful past. Amen. And when you look back, you say, God, I don't trust you. <laughs> but when you hold on to God's unchanging hand and you walk by faith, and not by sight. And the steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord. And yea, as I walk through the valley of the shadows of death, I will fear no evil. Uh, when you are looking forward, you are trusting God's leadership for your life. You're saying, God, I can't fix this. God, there's nothing in my past that can help me get to where you want me to be. So my eyes are on you. I will lift mine eyes into the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. That's the second reason. Third and the final reason, we've already said it, but I want to state it for the record. Looking back can destroy your life. And I will add, and the lives of your family members and your loved ones. Lot's wife did not just stumble and fell, but she was totally destroyed. And as I have pointed out, her whole family fell apart. I told me to talk to you this morning. Because some of us have been given instructions on what God wants us to do. God says, I want to take you to a better place. I want to move you forward higher. I, I want to move you out of where you are. And I have held you by your hand and have been leading you. But God says, it's up to you whether you keep your hand in God's hands. Stand to your feet all over this place. We all are being challenged this day. Look at somebody that is standing next to you and says, don't look back. Please tell somebody there's nothing in your past worth you sacrificing your future for. Can I speak to people who are moving on? And I know it gets tempting and I and I know the demons of your past are calling you. And it seems like they don't start calling until you're doing better. They forget about you when you're struggling. Or is it just me? Does it seem like the moment you turn the corner, the moment you get better, the, hear these demons, or you thought they had forgot your number and they hit you up, what's up? Can we get together? Can we hang out? 
I've got an answer for them. Get behind me, Satan. Ooh, who am I preaching to? Some folk you ought to put in your past and leave in your past. Listen as we stand to our feet and I invite you to come to this altar. Bishop Hezekiah Walker writes this powerful altar song that simply says moving forward. Not going back. I am moving ahead. I'm here to declare to you, God, <laughs> my past is over. Somebody leave your seat right now. Walk down those aisles if God is talking to you. Let me say it again. Somebody help me say, not going back. Come on, everybody. I'm moving ahead. I'm here to declare to you, Lord, my past is over. In you, Lord, all things are made new. Isaiah writes, behold, I will do a new thing. God says, I will do a new thing. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men what God has prepared for us. Come on, somebody just flood this altar. Amen. Don't worry about what folks say. All of us got some things we need to leave at the altar. All of us got some stuff we need to put in our rearview mirror. All of us have some things that we need to turn loose and let go. Minister Cedric McFadden and the choir comes right now. Come on and tell us. There's some of you right now. That's right. That's right. Not going back. Come on. Not going back. Sing, Cedric. Moving ahead. Here to declare to you. My past. Past is over in you. Things are made new. Things are made new. Surrendered my life to Christ. I'm moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. What a moment you have brought me to such a freedom, Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have found in those hands your speaking to you. Yeah. who makes all things new. I'm not going back. That's right. I know it gets hard sometimes. But God's speaking to somebody right now. God is speaking to someone right now. Come on, make your way down the aisles. And let us touch and agree.
right now, God's my name. Say you made all, all things, things new. Come on, say. All. Lift those hands, everybody. of the hands symbolizes surrender you you are taking your hands off yourself and you're putting your hands in God's hand take me out Lord change my direction some of you God God is holding you by your hand right now. God says, I'm bringing you out. And in the case of Lot's wife, I have brought you out. I changed things on your behalf. You should have been destroyed. Some of us, when, when we think about it, we made so many mistakes in our life that it should have taken us out. But God, but God, and listen, I want to send this message to all of my brothers and sisters and anyone that's incarcerated that may be listening by way of radio. God has not forgotten about you. God still has you in his hands. And the key is that when God brings you out, don't look back. Find you some new friends, a new place to hang out, something different to do because God has transformed your life. Ooh. Thank you, Lord. Hands are lifted. If you're worshiping by way of internet, call us. The toll-free number is 888-776-1238. Somebody wants to pray with you. You don't have to look back. Because looking back means you want to go back. And some of us have told the Lord, you've brought us from a mighty long ways. My dear cousin, the late Elder Frank English used to say, Lord, I've come too far to turn around now. My heart is fixed. My mind's made up. I've come too far to turn around now. The enemy wants you to give up, but we're serving notice on the enemy. The devil is a liar. We can't look back. Lift those hands, close those eyes. Maybe there's someone here today after this prayer. You want God to do a new thing in your life. God has been calling you. Some of you, God has been urging you. 
And I don't know what it has been. As you know, we don't pressure people to join this church because that means nothing by itself. What is even more important than your membership in a local church is where do you stand with God? Where are you with your relationship with God? And so God is challenging someone now. God says, I brought you from a mighty long ways. Don't go back. Don't look back. Let us pray. Eternal Father, we thank you. We thank you for this message. Luke chapter 17 says, remember Lot's wife. Thank you for reminding us that we ought to remember Lot's wife. We ought not go back. When we think about all that you've done and, and the enemy tries to convince us to look back, we remember the 17th chapter of Luke, the 32nd verse that simply says, remember Lot's wife. Ooh. Help us to remember, Lord, that there is no value. There is nothing good that can come from us looking back over where you have already brought us out of, desiring to go back. We thank you. Our future is great. Blessings are all around us. God, you're doing something greater in our lives. Even if we can't see it now, we still rejoice and declare it is already done. And we say thank you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, somebody say thank you. Clap those hands. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Come on. If there's anybody here today that God's called in you for something with want to make that commitment today stand anyone want to make that commitment you want to join the church you, you want to recommit your life to the Lord thank you young man look at God I get some young brothers. Come here, I need some young men. I need some brothers to come on. I need some brothers to come. Circle this man. All things. to make that commitment you want to join the church you want to make that commitment you can just walk down the aisles right now amen you make come on clap your hands meet them look at God thank you with your two sons and look at God Woo. come on I've been praying for you when I saw you at the altar and he represents all of us you're just so bold to come some of you the enemy doesn't know exactly what God has for you but the enemy knows that God has something better for you than where you are now and they're trying to keep you stuck but we are declaring today that today is the first day of a brand new you. Give God a hand of praise for all of these as we take them in the back. Come on, God bless you. Come on. Everybody, come on in. You.
Come on. Let's celebrate the word of God on today.